0: the oamnetwork.com
1: power to the podcast the thing with savings you have to start
0: right and you that's
1: do. and and like starting a business it you have to start you can talk about all you want and you're like i don't want to be like this i don't want, i want to be my own boss or i want to have you know not be in debt and it's like you just you have to start and it's a long process i'm lauren and i'm scott And we're the Reedies.
0: That's right. Reedy spelled ready.
1: It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing. Ready Ready or not. not.
0: On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together.
1: It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or not. Hello and welcome to Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business.
0: Episode seven already recorded inside our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee. Max is sleeping, napping for now, napping. So we'll see how much we can accomplish during his nap today. We're talking about
1: finances. Wah wah!
0: Not just finance though. It's gonna we're gonna be talking C- about a couple
1: our- different areas of finance. Uh, yeah, talking about uh, both. Personal finances, kind of how we do it as a marriage, in our marriage, um, since it's a major stress point for a lot of people. And then also talking about the adoption specifically and how that is structured from the agency standpoint and how we were able to put it together.
0: Well, let's be honest. Finance is stressful. I think it's stressful. You think it's exciting, right? Well, it's,
1: it's stressful too, but... I manage that stress by overmanaging it is my way of dealing with the stress.
0: And that. up until about a month ago I managed that stress by not paying attention to it at <laughs> all because it was easier for me to not pay attention to it than to stress about it.
1: Yeah, it's way easier when you get to make all the decisions by yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> not that you're like not that you're like the stereotypical I man know. of the house that you know has to
1: Yeah, we would and we would talk about it kind of on a quarterly basis or annually um whenever you want to talk about it but
0: um, but first, it's Dewhawk Day.
1: Dewhawk Day. Of course you brought up Dewhawk it's Day. It's
0: Dewhawk Day.
1: What's a Dewhawk?
0: I'm a Dewhawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting to say that on the podcast for a very long time. I'm a Dewhawk. It's a Loris College, Dubuque Hawk, uh, Dubuque, Iowa. It's a school I went to that is deep and de- near and dear to me. Um, I was a media studies major, Irish studies minor, which segues into our next topic, and... um it just is a really great place, and I love it. And it's connected me and made me who I am today. And it also introduced me, not because he went there or because we met in college, thank God, to my now husband. So that's neat. We'll tell that story in another podcast sometime. Thanks, Beth. It's also almost.
1: Yes, St. Patrick's Day, which is what I thought you were going to bring up for the day.
0: <laughs> it's Dewhawk Day, St. Patrick's Day. They are very on the same level. Yeah,
1: they are very. St. Patrick's Day has always been one of your favorites. Because you studied in Ireland, yeah. Even though they don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day like we do in Ireland,
0: no, they don't. But you can bet that we celebrated St. Patrick's Day in Ireland like Americans. It's also <laughs> substantially. Uh, it's important. big for our relationship. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier.
1: Yeah. So St. Patrick's Day, when we were dating at first, that's the first time we said we loved each other. You uh, said it first after I did. you
0: saw a text message that I sent to the B- Beth who introduced us, and I said I think I'm in love. And then you saw it. It still makes me nervous thinking about it. You saw it, and then you said it to me later. And then the next day, I thought, How much, how often do you say this to people? <laughs> like, we said it once. Do we say it all the time now, or do we say it like, How does this work? So that was neat. I, at the time, though, we were in our 20s, like early yes, 20s. early 20s. And I. 23? Yeah, 23. I think you were 22. 22, 23, something like that. And, um, I was terrified of falling in love and getting married and settling down, and you were terrified by my student loan debt.
1: Yes, absolutely true. Good segue.
0: Great segue. I think we need to give our viewers a disclaimer. Scott, you are not a professional finance guy.
1: No, I have no certifications. I have no authorization. I am not giving any financial advice specifically. Um, It is all my opinion on things that I've read and things that I've learned and things that I do.
0: I would say opinion and experience. So we don't want to discredit our experience or you what you have to say today. We just want our listeners to realize that this comes from a heavily researched and sort of hobby of yours.
1: Yes, I would say I am a hobbyist financial person.
0: OK, so it but it really it has made a big difference in our marriage and our relationship and in our business. So I hope that something we say today resonates with anybody who's listening. So let's dive in. Scott, how did you approach financing in your early 20s?
1: I had a good foundation because when I first came out of college and had my first job, my brother was a financial planner um, for a short period. And so right when I got done with college, he was already doing that. And he kind of gave me a lot of groundwork and helped me answer a lot of questions early on. Um, And then I kind of took that and ran with it as I do of going to Google and reading everything I could get my hands on. Um, I was very diligent about saving. He had taught me the importance of saving for 401k earlier, so I was kind of, um, I don't want to say I was the model of what someone should do in their 20s, but I was pretty close, I think.
0: I'm going to be biased and say that you were, and I was the exact opposite. (laughs) I didn't make any money. I was working a job um, that I loved, (laughs) so there's that, and uh, I was living outside my means. Um, I I didn't have a budget Uh, I put everything on a credit card that had like a $1,000 limit, which is probably good if you think about it, Mm -hmm. which I maxed out to buy Packers tickets for our one year anniversary. Um, And you were so mad about that. (laughs) I was
1: conflicted. You were also
0: pretty happy. It was
1: Brett Favre playing for the Vikings against the Packers for the first time in the Metrodome. It was amazing.
0: Literally how much I loved you. I maxed out my credit card.
1: Yeah. But then I found that out.
0: Now we have a son named Max. (laughs) I don't know. There's some (laughs) kind of pun there. But I was the opposite of you. Um, I was contributing like 1% to my 401k, even though my company had a match because I didn't see the value in saving because I had so much debt, like a small, tiny house worth of debt from college, which I don't regret, by the way. That's why I give my shout out to Loris College at the beginning. Um, But I just didn't have any handle on my finances except that um, I was still relying a little bit on my parents and I was living outside my means. So uh, that changed.
1: Yeah, well, it changed as we, um, even before we got married, we started talking about it because uh, we dated at distance for three and a half years before we got married. And so, you know, we sort of were um, back and forth a lot and we had a lot of time for conversation and we had a lot of time to work those things out. And as Lauren said, she was living outside her means. Um
0: and we spent a lot of money on gas, so we had to talk about that. Yeah, well and that's
1: that's what I was getting to is you know so we had to, you know, make that decision and work together to to go through that. Um
0: and my parents asked me to stop using their credit card to pay for gas to go see my boyfriend. Completely valid. <laughs> totally <laughs> completely valid. I mean, valid. I shouldn't have even had it that late in my life, but I did. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> so now I sound like a privileged person. <laughs> I, I was relatively. Um, and so you got me thinking, and you got me. I think the first time I ever um, did my taxes without uh, being a dependent of my parents was that first year we were dating, which mm-hmm. terrified my father. He knew something. He knew there was a man in my life.
1: Yeah, which is funny because it was actually my dad that was doing all the taxes. I know, but, but
0: it was like there were some
1: special tax credits that year because there was floods. Yeah, and stuff. that's right. We got and some so, tax credits. Like it just made sense, and my dad. Um, did my taxes did the taxes and, and, and
0: scott helped me not in a savior man way i need to say that because i <laughs> don't want anyone to think that i was not an independent woman i just had a real good credit card debt but scott helped me we just um, we just talked about we it. redid my budget we did a. we didn't even yeah, redo we, we did a budget we just did one and we realized that i was spending a couple hundred dollars more a month than i was making than i was bringing in um and so then we worked on that and uh, it eventually what what we did do is you had me max out my four hundred one k at work. Yep, and um we sort of got things in line, which was probably good because if we were ever going to get married, you needed to get my finances straight.
1: Sure. Well, and those I mean, and those were hard conversations. And yeah. And at, they actually, at times, you were
0: concerned about it. Well,
1: I, I was especially early on because it was you know it was all going negative, like just it was dropping and more debt and all of those things. And so as we were being together, I was like, this is something we need to get a handle on. And having those hard conversations about what what that actually looks like. Like, You love your job, and this is what they pay you, and so this is what you can spend. And that's just the way it is.
0: Right. I ended up moving into a smaller apartment, just me, not relying on a roommate, which was part of the issue of my finances. And you came to see me more often, and mm-hmm. we you paid more often. And I should say that you made more than me. Yeah, well, and <laughs> because I think you're a man. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, really, in this case, it was literally because I chose a profession that paid nothing, <laughs> <laughs> and you chose a profession that paid well. Sure, and
1: yeah, and so that was that was just a balance we were able to strike where we just kind of balanced based on what our income and what our disposable income was. And then as we transitioned into marriage, we got... I got
0: the best deal ever. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> well, we got we got more serious about it because you know then it was like we're really and it was I mean technically before we got married we were engaged um we sat down and we basically we put our incomes together we still kept separate bank accounts but
0: thank god um, only because we both have different spending habits
1: well right but we I, I still we still manage them together yeah we do um, we don't
0: we don't have to we have separate accounts so that we don't have to look at each other and say why would you spend 50 bucks at Amazon
1: yeah and we basically just I sometimes mean sometimes we still do here, that <laughs> here's the here's the short version of of what our budget looks like it's pretty much all of our half to expenses which is like all of our mortgage and car payments and you know all that other stuff and then we took the remaining and we split it up between us and said you know, this is how much money you can spend on. Oh, I should say that first part also included saving because that was yes, important. Yes,
0: that's actually a huge part that you've got me doing now. That, well, it that, was like, which is why I say I'm now really interested in finance. Yeah, that's it was weird. like if
1: we want to go on vacation once a year or every other year, we need to figure out what that amount of money is and save a little bit each month. And that's pretty much how we put it all together. Is you know, if that was twenty bucks that we could find to put in the to put in an account and keep track of. That was the vacation money. And then when it came to vacation time, that paid for vacation. So after all of the half to expenses and the savings that we decided were important, the remaining, this was our solution, was the remaining money was do whatever you want with money. Because we didn't want to get into the minutia of like, oh, you can only have coffee two days a week. And you can only go for drinks and have one beer every third day. Or anything like that. It was like, okay, you have a month and you have a certain amount of money. And you can spend on whatever you want. Up to that limit. And that's the only number you have to keep track of.
0: And, you know, like using those examples and living in the city that we live in, that's got a huge poverty problem, makes me feel like a total jerk. Um, But that's where our life was. And at the time, that's the perspective we had. And so in a way, when we got married, our budgeting was actually pretty, pretty selfish. But we needed it to be that way to learn and to get ourselves to where we are in our 30s. I mean, you just all the things you just listed were like vacation and coffee and wine and drinks and nothing you said in there was for a house or a baby or adoption or anything like that.
1: Those were I mean, yeah, we didn't know that stuff. We didn't have that in the plan, but those were all next level things that we went to Um, In, in the
0: back of your mind, not mine. Yes, that's what those were things you were saving for. Yes.
1: So as we got, you know, a couple annual pay raises here and there. Um, over the next um, ten years seven years seven years whoa um, over the next seven years you know some of that has gone into saving for a house things like that but the other big thing we did is when we would pay off a car we would roll that payment would not come back into the budget that would p- roll into a savings account and so we're still like saving the car payment that we were making when we first got married because it's, it's just going into a savings account or then we got another car payment you keep
0: line items that we've already had in the past but you make them savings. instead
1: of paying the loan it pays our savings account
0: which brings us to where we are now because the reason why i suddenly started caring about our finances was i scott had done all this really great behind the scenes work to help help us save for what was our adoption and then we sold our downtown condo (laughs) we sold our our um, dual income, no kids, what do you call those? Dinks? We sold our Dinks Dink. life for a Midtown Memphis life, which is just as equally as exciting and rewarding as downtown. We used that money to pay off my student loans. And suddenly, I didn't have debt staring at me in the face and I felt like I wanted to know more. Which, it's a shame that it took that long for me to suddenly care. Because there are a lot of people out there, maybe even people that we're listening to, that have massive debt, that feel like they can't get out of it, that have no end to it, and um, so they haven't even thought about how to budget or what finance looks like other than just making making ends meet and paying the bills and living paycheck to paycheck in fact most people live like that from what I found out it turns out majority of people don't have a savings or a budget or they're living paycheck to paycheck
1: right and I looked this up um, I've seen this multiple places but um, according to CBS Money Watch 63% of Americans cannot handle in their monthly budget an unexpected $500
0: expense it's crazy. I don't I couldn't have done that. I'm glad we can. But I, I couldn't have done that in my early 20s. And I couldn't have done that if you hadn't have gotten me.
1: Well, and but I started line. I started in the same place when I was in college. There were like I, I ran low of money. I had no money in my account. I I was there um, and I that was hugely stressful for me. And so I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. And so I started saving 20 bucks every month if i could do it and then i made that 50 bucks when i could finally do it and just trying to build that account and that's what we started with you even before we got married is that was i think the first thing we ever did was we we built up a a savings account and i think when you moved you were able to pay for a moving truck because we used that money
0: Mm -hmm. it was a big deal
1: yeah it was i think it was your deposit and your and the moving truck we paid for out of that savings that we had just put aside
0: yeah so i think it starts with that and and you know, recognizing that we come from a place already that puts us ahead in that world because of the how we grew up and the families we grew up in and um, all of that. You know, I don't I don't want to ignore that because now I know that there are things that exist in the world and there is so much inequity and, and poverty, especially in our city, that makes some of these talking points um, sort of moot to, to a large audience, but I think it, it starts with what you just said: saving. Sure,
1: it's hard. Hard things are hard.
0: Hard things are hard.
1: But thank you, friend, friend Allison. For anyone starting somewhere, the thing with saving is you have to start. Right, And you that's do. And, and like starting a business, it you have to start. You can talk about it all you want, and you're like, I don't want to be like this. I don't. Want, I want to be my own boss, or I want to have, you know, not be in debt. And it's like you just you have to start. And it's a long process.
0: And and, uh, before we go to a break real quick here, do you have any resources for any of our listeners that you have used that help you find that start? I know there's a couple of apps and a couple of places that you you reference um, that help you. Uh,
1: A couple of places I've read. um, I read a lot off the the simple dollar dot com um and uh i think there's a blog called rich dad poor dad that i've read a lot there's a lot of blogs out there about personal finance and ways to get started uh, i guess uh, here's a big one um dave ramsey yes. he's like shout out he's known he's known for for this type of thing and and people getting out of massive 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 debt um but even for anybody just starting following his baby steps um i'm not a i don't i don't necessarily agree with everything he says um and he has a lot of religious bent to some things that he does that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, But But I will say, in general, his baby steps are a tremendous starting point, especially the first, like, three.
0: Especially when you look at the getting rid of your debt, with the exception of big things like we're in our 30s and have a mortgage and it doesn't make sense to pay that completely off for us right now in our lives because it may not be our last house. But he has a lot of great steps. Right.
1: Well, and his his first thing, his number one step is save $1,000.
0: Which is essentially what you got me to do before I understood what it, he, it who he was. It
1: helps manage that sixty-three percent of people who can't handle that. Once you can, it prevents you because his whole thing is the second step. You start paying off the, the debt, and the whole thing is like you can pay off your debt, and then you have an unexpected expense, and you're in debt again. Yeah. But his way is save your thousand, then start paying off your debt, and if there's an unexpected ex- expense, you have your emergency savings account, and then you use that, and then the next thing is is not doing the debt again, saving up your $1,000 again. You start over, and you just do that until you can get your head above water. It takes a long time.
0: You know, it's funny. Right now, even though I say I'm fine talking about finance, my heart rate (laughs) has gone up. Like, I feel stressed. (laughs) And so I think it's a great time to take a break. When we get back from our break, we'll talk about adoption how much it costs, any other recommendations and apps we use, and a little bit about business and how we have been able to build a business based off of budgeting and finance. We'll be right back. Have you noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day thousands of them are sharing video content. But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, getting it done in time to have an impact. For more information, visit foreverreadyllc.com. Hello and welcome back to Episode 7 of Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business.
1: Today, we're talking about finances
0: finances and I want to jump right into that business thing Scott that business part of this sure because um, we I took the leap three years ago this month to becoming full-time and running the company full-time and we now have two full-timers about to have four full-timers and a part-timer we've grown the company significantly I say we because it has been a team effort um, but that didn't just happen and we didn't just quit my job with no plan
1: Right. And that's what I think um, we hear a lot from friends that talk about, like, how did you do it? How did you make the leap? And many of them believe that we started the company the month that Lauren left news. And that's not what happened at all. Uh, We started the company. So she left in 2016. We started the company. uh, The LLC was officially formed in 2014. And during that time, we did not take any of that money. And that that became a pretty decent account that we didn't touch because what we were trying to get to was 6 months of Lauren's salary sitting in that account so that when she took the leap if she made no money if she went full time and no one called <laughs> Terrifying. we could pay her salary and not take the uh, uh and not you know have to make drastic changes and her not have to chase business for the first 6 months that was uh, that was the goal
0: And then I just ended up chasing everything because I was so busy in the first six months. But what it did is it set us up for success so that we didn't have to worry about finances uh, in our personal life. And it, it allowed me to grow the company without constantly chasing things that weren't fruitful or pursuing clients I wasn't really interested in
1: or getting outside of the core reason we were starting the business. Right, right. If she I had done a bunch not... of
0: uh, promotional, you know, teleprompter training videos, I probably <laughs> wouldn't be where we are today.
1: Right. And that's because we built it up and set ourselves up on a plan to go 6 months under the assumption that we would make no money.
0: I tell that piece of the story because I don't think people understand if you want to start your own business or if you are have an entrepreneurial spirit of any kind, you can't just quit your job with no plan. And that's a part of it that people don't often talk about. You see them hustling once they've quit and you're you're cheering them on. But if they continue and if they're setting it up for success, they've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes before they made that public decision to quit. And that wouldn't have been possible without Scott's wonderful finance skills. Well that's that's
1: our um, you know, where we started or where we kinda got the idea to really, really launch it was a business plan class that I had and I wrote a business plan. And a business plan is an overcomplicated way of saying like how much money are you gonna make, how much are you gonna spend and how much are you gonna profit at the end of the month.
0: Scott and I stepped away from the mic for just a quick second because Max woke up from his nap, so he's currently joining us (laughs) live in the studio. Joining us
1: in the booth is Max Reedy. Max, what do you think? He's drinking a bottle. He's not going to say anything. Oh, okay.
0: Well, I guess it's fitting that he's here now because I want to talk about adoption. Um, We had no idea back when we were in our early 20s that some of the saving we were doing was setting us up to help pay for adoption. So um, let's chat about that, Scott. Sure. It happened. We did not do a GoFundMe or an Indiegogo or any of those pages um, like a lot of folks do. We didn't engage in um, fundraisers. We felt uncomfortable doing so. I think now we might do that, but we had set ourselves up in a way that made it okay to do that.
1: Yeah, well, and that was the saving that we had done and rolled in from all the different times we've gotten pay raises and gotten expenses that have rolled off the books, like paying off our cars, things like that, did set us up with some cash to be able to, to do this adoption thing. Not easily, but to do it, to be able to move the money to, from where we, needed, to where we had it to where we needed to, to use it. Um, and it's not to say we did it by ourselves.
0: We didn't. Absolutely not. We had, we, we had a lot of help. We were able to do money transfers and wires and all things uh, to help make this possible because you had set us up in a savings plan that allowed that.
1: Yeah, it it put the money there, you know, sort of like when we were when we had been saving for the condo and saving down payment, we continued all of those savings. And so by continuing to do those, we had built up over, you know, the many years since we had bought the condo to have some money that we could use and then some other savings that we were able to take through some, you know, tax strategies, things like that. (laughs)
0: I feel like we should leave that in there.
1: Yeah. That was that was Max's contribution. <laughs> Burping from a bottle. This is this is parenthood.
0: That's what Max thinks about the savings.
1: <laughs> He's <laughs> laughing hysterically now.
0: What are you <laughs> What's so funny, Max? Tell him. All right. Back, okay. Back, back to, to a regularly bottle. scheduled program. If you could see what was happening right now in the studio. <laughs> So, adoption costs anywhere from twenty five thousand to forty five thousand dollars. yeah. and the
1: agencies, as I was doing all the research, there's a lot of different um, structures that all the adoption agencies have, and there's different levels of of what you're what you're risking. So adoption costs uh, our agency, it costs about twenty eight thousand dollars. But the real advantage of ours in my mind was that they took on the legal risk. So they our whole cost was at twenty eight, and we were done paying. And they would pick up whatever legal costs ended up being. And having landed in California and having extra counseling sessions and having all of this extra stuff that we didn't know about, um, I'm sure ran up a legal bill that was more than they had budgeted for. But they were basically taking the bet of most run under, some run over. We were the over. um, But that was a risk we take. And I'm glad it worked out that way. Others work in, you know – You just pay the agency, and then the legal fees, they'll bill you after the fact.
0: Right. So there are a lot of different options. When you're doing your research about choosing an agency, that's a very important thing to be looking at when deciding who to go with, because it's different for everyone.
1: In every search with every agency, the question is always they expect it. The question they always ask is, what happens if one falls through? And they should have a very well thought out, detailed plan and detail of what happens when it falls through.
0: And a lot of times the answer, in fact, the answer is never you get all your money back.
1: Right. Because they're doing work and setting things up. And so there has to be some payment. Now, in most cases, in every one that I've ever seen, the money that you quote unquote lose is the same amount is is at most the amount that you'll get back from the government in a tax credit. So you do get that money back in a roundabout way much, much later when you file taxes, if you use a good accountant.
0: <laughs> or if you're a nerd like Scott and well, you spend yeah. lots of time. Um, but that is
1: typically, and that, that credit is like $13,000. So generally you're not going to be on the hook and, and lose more than thirteen. Now you lose the cash up front, so you might have to wait a while to get it back from the government. But that's... Typically, how that works in everyone that I've ever seen.
0: And for every failed adoption you have, you that the, the credit starts over. Yes, credit is is a like thirteen thousand
1: dollars and is limited like is per child. So if you adopt ten children, you get thirteen thousand for each one.
0: And I should say that it's thirteen thousand right now, but that number slides and changes based off of who's elected and what's voted on. Um, yes,
1: it was. I was actually really freaked out because it was almost in the Trump in the Trump tax cuts of. 2018, it was almost taken away. They got really close, and they. I remember that.
0: It. I remember that. And we were like, "No, you can't take this away. This is important, and it, it, and it helps families be able to do this. It's certainly not enough, um, yeah. but that's we're not like asking. We, for- We spent
1: 28 plus all of our travel expenses. It ended up being about 35 total. Yeah, um, when, which is a lot. And that's we a got, really got about really th- nice car. And we got about 13 back through taxes. You know, over a single year, or multiple years, depending. Right. So.
0: So, you know, I think the, the moral of the story of this entire episode is finances stress me out. <laughs> they excite Scott. I think he might have talked more in this episode than he's talked the entire season. Well, I said it off the
1: top, and it's, it's really, for me, it's about putting a plan together. And I think that was the whole thing is when we came into this, because I had put some planning together and we worked on some planning together, it was much less stressful than it could have been.
0: Right, because there's plenty of other stresses going on yes. in life, whether it's adoption or infertility or trying to figure out how your marriage should be. or
1: Home studies. Homesa- oh.
0: Having a baby in your podcasting studio. I'm going to keep all of this in there because he's so freaking cute. <laughs> uh, it's stressful and it's good to have a plan, and it starts with starting. Literally, that is yeah, it. it sounds
1: it's- weird, but it starts with starting. Starting saving, starting talking, starting researching. Step one is start.
0: So uh, I mentioned at the top of the podcast that up until about a month ago, I really didn't care about finances because they stressed me out. And I said they still don't. They don't stress me out, but my heart rate's gone up. But I will say we need to talk about what we do differently now. So we both have access to each other's accounts through one uh, website, right?
1: Personal Capital.
0: Personal Capital. This is not a paid podcast, but we use Personal Capital.
1: Used to use Mint. Mint's fine, but I use Personal Capital now because it has a better... The, visual, the charts are a little bit better for me.
0: One of my favorite things about it is that we have access right away when you log into the, na- the dashboard, you, you see what your net worth is. That takes all of the things in your life, whether that's cars and houses and savings and
1: all the things you own minus all the things you owe into hopefully a positive number. But Great. Thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> got be much later. I was like trying to explain it. Positive with... numbers coming a while.
0: All the things you own with minus all the things you owe equals your net worth. Is that what you just said? That's exactly right. Perfect. Okay. So I love that about it because it's just, it's there. Sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's hopeful and, but it helps give you a vision of what life your life is financially. Um, and then it breaks it down. So you can take a look at where savings it are located. If we have several accounts, because as Scott said, he likes to have an emergency fund and a, and a vacation fund and a kid fund, which we didn't have it named that until we had Max. Um, all those things exist on personal finance. Is that what it's called again?
1: Personal capital.
0: Personal capital. Um, we also have used Mint in the past and encourage a lot of people to use that. It's great. It syncs all of your accounts and shows you some like graphs. I'm visual. Yeah,
1: it tracks how much you're spending each month and kind of breaks it. It, it kind of guesses on breaking it down into categories. So you can kind of, it, it really helps break down a budget. Um, especially starting out, so you're not taking the whole thing at once, and it shows you how much you're spending on restaurants, how much you're spending on, um, you know, cable internet, how much you're spending on cell phone. All that stuff is broken down in there and estimated. You, you got to do a little correction, but it'll get you pretty close.
0: And it does give you a good idea of what you're spending your money on, which is something that I uh, sometimes get embarrassed would get embarrassed by because I'd be like, "Wow, Lauren, really? Stop going out to eat." Jeez, that's a high bill.
1: My, my Mint account is a super nerd comment. My Mint account has all of my income and spending since 2011.
0: That's so <laughs> nerdy. And I bet you get really excited about when you see the improvements.
1: Yeah, it, it is good to see the, the number go up and big drops when you buy a house and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's terrifying, which is, again, why I don't really like finances. But what is working for us now, after we've been through quite a bit of cash... And experienced some pretty big line items in our life in the last 12 months is that Scott and I have access to the same account because I want to see everything now. And we check in with each other. I would say like every six weeks uh, we check in. Yeah, that's about right. And we go through the personal capital website and talk about where we're at financially and move things around if we need to. Um, And it all goes back to that budget that we created or Scott created that I say we now because that is it is a team effort. Well, and what we
1: really started to do is we, we do a lot of goal setting with the company and we, we did some goal setting for our finances. And so we are measuring against that now.
0: And I think one thing that's helped us sort of redefine our goals in this new stage of life with kids involved um, is a book that was recommended to me by uh, a dear friend, Nancy, uh, who runs her own financial planning company based off of Dave Ramsey's uh, principles. She said to me, Lauren, you you and Scott ought to read the book Everyday Millionaire by by Chris Hogan. And I re- I looked at her like, okay, Everyday Millionaire? That's not an attractive title. I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't want to make a million bucks. That is not why I live. Um but she said, ignore the title and read the book. And so we did.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the most the craziest thing, so the the whole premise of the book is they um Chris Hogan and I think working with Dave Ramsey's organization um, they interviewed 10,000 millionaires, people with a net worth over $1 million, and asked them all of their um, habits and what got them there. And w- the most surprising thing to me and us, I think, was that like a huge percent, over 50%, had never made more than $100,000 in a single year.
0: Yeah, the average salary was like $40,000 a year, which is average. You wouldn't think that a person that makes that much is considered a millionaire. Yeah,
1: there were so many, and all it was is people had just decided to start saving. And so it's a tremendous book about how to set small goals and just believe that diligent saving over time can get you to a million dollars, even on what you may believe is a low salary that will never get you there.
0: And it's a net worth. We're talking about a net worth here. I think that... I didn't understand that. Sure. Either, until I read the book. We really didn't read it, though. We audioed it. We listened to it. But... Thanks Max, you agree? We're saving for you. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about apps that you use or books that you've read or anything that might be helpful to somebody who's um married anything that you might be helpful that might be helpful to anybody who's growing their family and their business.
1: Yeah, also oh, I'll I'll mention, you know, so the ones we do use, Personal Capital and Mint, I still use those. Um and then uh, the book, Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. And uh, there's a YouTube series by Mark Kohler about, about business finances. If you're specifically interested in business finances, um, Mark Kohler, uh, K-O-H-L-E-R, has a video series on YouTube where he breaks down individual topics and really talks through you know, some of those details. So that was really helpful for me in doing our business work. If you have any specific questions, reach out. Feedback at readyornotpodcast.com. I'd be happy to answer questions and point you in the right direction.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Ready or Not. We appreciate you listening this far. We'd love to hear from you.
1: We'll see you next time here on Ready or Not.
0: This podcast was recorded in our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee, edited by me, Lauren Reedy, graphic designed by Brody Kuhar and hosted by the OAM Network.
1: The Power to the podcast.